welcome to the Blister Podcast, a program dedicated to interesting people, the great outdoors, and a bunch of other stuff we like. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check us out online at blisterreview.com, where, among other things, we publish in-depth and totally honest reviews of outdoor sports equipment. Today on the podcast, we're still riding our mile high from the SIA trade show in Denver. Congrats to all you Broncos fans, by the way. And we've been on snow testing a bunch of new product. We're going to tell you a bit about some of that new stuff. Then we're going to talk about an article we posted on the site this week called Blister's Best Bets, where we talk about which skis are the safest bets, the sure things, the easiest skis to recommend. We talk about why these selections aren't necessarily the best skis out there, then discuss what new skis have the best chance to knock off our current selections. By the end, you'll have a better sense of how we think about and evaluate skis, and we hope you'll write in to let us know what skis you think deserve to be on our list. This episode of the Blister Podcast is presented by Alaska Airlines. Go to alaskaair.com forward slash ski to check out all of their current deals. So then let's talk about um, since Denver. Uh, We left Denver on Sunday and we were on snow Monday Uh, and um, had a hell of a week um, at Taos. Um, Storms came in. Uh, and I guess keeping February on cue, um, things were good in Taos and anytime you put good snow on that terrain, I'm happy, frankly, just in that terrain, even with bad snow, but you put good snow on that terrain and, and this was actually size, uh, first visit to Taos. Um, so he, he caught it pretty well, I'd say. Yeah. I'm going to have a hard time ever coming back if it's not that good. (laughs) (laughs) It's always that good. Um, so, you know, don't worry about it. Um, so let's, let's talk about, uh, we'll start with you. Um, what were you spending time on? I mean, we weren't just at Taos, we were also doing some touring, but, uh, what were you in this week? Yeah. So the big, as far as inbound skis, the big, uh, ski that I was on this week would be the J skis friend. Um, and that's been around, I think this is, it's, it came out at the end of last year and this is its second year going and that's a 114 underfoot and it's Jay's kind of do it all pow ski. And I've got a few days on it in some soft tracked conditions, and it's been a super interesting ski so far. It's not exceptionally stiff, but it's surprisingly damp for how soft it is. So it's not a really poppy, bouncy ski. Um, so it'll be interesting to get that into some softer conditions and uh, get, a, get a feel for what that brings to the table. Um, on the touring side of things, we haven't gotten much time out because of some interesting stability issues, but I did spend a day in Fisher's new Traverse Carbon Boot, uh, and there's actually a profile of that, or a first look of that up on the site. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a super interesting boot from Fisher because it comes in un- uh, lighter than the atomic backland carbon for weight, um, and also claims to have a higher range of motion than the backland carbon. So it's a strong contender in this class of ultralight touring boots. Um, and it'd be competitive with the backland or something like the uh, Dinafit TLT6 or the new Arc'teryx Procline. 
Um, and that class of boots has been really popular in these this last year and is blowing up for next year. So it's exciting to see how that boot will stack up. And given that I was the one following you up the skin track, I can attest that you were pretty psyched on how well that boot went uphill. Yeah, it walks better than some hiking boots I've owned. <laughs> and it's probably lighter than some hiking boots I've owned. <laughs> nice. Um, cool. And yeah, when, when we were out, I actually uh, got my, finally, uh, my first time on the, the line tourist. And um, very, very positive initial impressions with that ski. Um, it, we did a first look on it, I believe, and everything that I kind of predicted about that ski, given its dimensions and weight and flex pattern, etc., it, it all seemed to... Um, it all seemed borne out on snow. Um, it's an intuitive ski. The flex pattern really feels kind of perfect. You can drive the ski. It's not a demanding ski. Um, so this, it, it was a very impressive blend of stability, uh, yet it still felt quick, um, yet it's lightweight, yet you could still get on the shovels. Um, we got kind of bumped off our primary objective in the backcountry, and so ended up skiing back down uh, on, on some groomers. And I, it's, I had a great time carving that ski, uh, which surprised me. Yeah. And he was actually seeking out moguls on a touring setup, which I found to be terrifying, (laughs) but it says something about the ski. That's true. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was, and I may have, I feel like I wrote about that somewhere, or maybe I haven't published that yet, but when skiing bumps, it's, I love, being able to drive tips into troughs and carve around a mogul um, when you're not, say, zipper lining or straight pivoting. And, and I, I think that's the thing that impressed me most because I think on lighter weight touring skis, often I feel like I'm just kind of blowing through the shovel of them. And the Xenoxide, which you mentioned at the start of this, the G3 Xenoxide 105, that is a burly, stiff ski. Like you aren't going to blow through those shovels um, that line tourist strikes me as a bit of a dialed back Xenoxide 105. I think it's going to be a lot more accessible to a greater number of people. Um, and yet I still felt like I could get on those shovels. It feels like a real ski. Um, and yet it's coming in, I, if I recall, somewhere just shy of 1750 grams per ski. So um, pretty impressed so far. And we'll go get that thing in more conditions and, and um, see what else we find out. But yeah, that was that was very interesting on the touring side of things this week. Yeah, and you've also been in some new inbounds gear as well, right? Yes, <clears throat> for sure. We had a, it was a pretty funny day Sunday actually. Um, <laughs> I started the day on a new dedicated front side ski uh, from Fisher, uh, the Fisher RC4. Um, it's called the Curve. Um, it's seventy four millimeters underfoot. Uh, this thing is all about the piste. Um, and basically we had a really good time Sunday morning ripping the shit out of groomers on this thing. Um, and we'll be saying more about that. I mean, we're, we're bringing in some, um, some more comparisons. Um, uh, hopefully we'll be getting on a new, uh, super shape from head. We have this new, uh, ski from Nordica coming in. Um, but I think that here, I don't want to say too much until we get 
um, some of these comparisons working, I think that will uh, be the most useful thing we can do for our reviews. But yeah, started on a new dedicated 74 underfoot ski from Fisher, um, and then uh, transitioned to get uh, more time on this ski, the the metal uh, from Jay Skis. Well, maybe I'll save that one because we're going to be talking about it in our next section a little more. Um, also was doing time on the Liberty Origin. Uh, I was on the 190 centimeter version of that and actually had a chance to break out um, my 190 blister pros to kind of AB those two skis. Um, and that was very interesting. I mean, I, I want more time on both of those. I think it's going to be good to do another AB. Um, but that origin strikes me as a, it's a, it feels a little bit less burly than the 190 Blister Pro. I, so I think for those who have liked what they've read around about the Blister Pro or the Bibby Pro, um, but feel like that might be a bit more ski than they're looking for, um, that origin 190, uh, could be a really good call. It's a really fun ski in the air. It still felt really good landing. Um, but I'd say, a Right now, I'd say it's a slightly more accessible Blister Pro, though it may not have the Blister Pro's chops when carving. That's, so far at least, that's where I haven't, um, I want more time uh, to carve that sucker, but uh, that's kind of the biggest question mark I have right now on that ski. Yeah, and you've been using some new boots um, with all these new skis, right? I have, yeah. <clears throat> We've been um, putting time in the new boot from Atomic. Um, they are super excited about this boot. It's called the Hawk Ultra 130. Um, the biggest claim by Atomic about this boot is it's now sort of the lightest dedicated Alpine boot in the category. And uh, there's no question it's it's a lightweight boot. Um, and it it feels in that way like it should have a walk mode on it. Um, I think that's going to be the thing that um, is going to be interesting for me to see. Admittedly, I've really had, I've had a good, uh, I think, five days in it already. Um, it's a very comfortable boot. Um, and I'm going to be very curious to see where the market is, if there's really that market for people wanting a pretty serious 130 boot at a lighter weight, no walk mode. That feels like a little bit of a different thing or a different category. Um, you know, and like I said, we've been skiing that everywhere. I mean, we had that boot in the park and we had it in steeps and we had it in moguls and carving. It's felt good. I, I think the biggest question for me still with that boot is how well it compares if someone is really, really all about hitting uh, carving high edge angles, is this boot going to have the same kind of lateral stability that you get out of a heavier, dedicated 130 Alpine boot? Um, but so far, it's answering and, and answering well a lot of the other questions I've had about the thing. So um, we'll be saying more about that boot on the site soon, but um, just a couple more questions I'm hoping to answer on that front. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned you're going to be saving the medal for later um, because of our blister best bets. Yep. Um, so what are these blister best bets? 
Good question. Um, yeah, this was a piece that I've actually been thinking about for a very long time. Um, because, and I said this in the start of that piece, that, you know, we do, we're, we're getting lots of comments on the site and lots of emails from people asking us to help them uh, figure out what ski might work best for them. And, and so I've kind of, when talking with people, started thinking about these waste widths of kind of 88, 98, 108, and 118. And that's often a good start point. If, if people can give me a sense of where they are um, looking for a ski, then we can kind of start to focus the conversation about what skis might make sense. And um, it just struck me that um, there are kind of safe bets out there. Um, the kind of skis that it's not to say that it's the best ski out there, but it is to say that we get on certain skis and we just think, I don't know how someone would hate this ski. Like the performance envelope seems to be broad enough um, that they're just certain skis stand out as, you know, uh, as providing um, that broad performance range and also being able to accommodate a broad range of ability levels. Um, and so I kind of threw it out there because it seemed like an interesting, maybe just a conversation starter, right? Um, but a way to get people thinking about certain benchmarks in a certain kind of conversation, right? Thinking about big sweet spots, both in terms of performance and ability levels, you know? Um, and of course, what I want to say is there's a lot of more specific skis or specialty skis that aren't trying to appeal, to have this broad appeal across all of these conditions or across all of these ability levels. And what I don't want is for anybody to think that we are selling, you know, giving short shrift to those skis, right? I like specialty skis. I like that there are skis being made sort of unapologetically for experts or unapologetically for beginners. I think that's great. But this seemed to be a way to kind of, um, I don't know, give praise or credit to some, some companies that seem to be um, hitting this broad sweet spot, you know, kind of literally and figuratively. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's important to note, as Jonathan really talked about there, it's not that we think these are the best skis, they're best bets. And we've had our blister awards in the past, and this is kind of an expansion on that. Um, and I think it's an interesting conversation to have um, because like Jonathan said, there's a big difference between something that's the best at one thing and something that is very versatile and will appeal to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, and, and breaking it down by those waist widths makes it easier to help recommend skis to people. Um, and the first waste width we're talking about is that 88 millimeter underfoot, yep. which right now we're giving to the Fisher Motive 86 Ti, mm -hmm. which is a ski that we have talked about a lot yep. and in fact have given a few pairs away recently. Yep. Um, but that ski won't be coming back next year. Right. Right. And so Fisher, um, Fisher's decided to, you know, not play it safe and switch it up um, with what they're calling the Big Mountain Pro 86, um, and I'm sure we'll be getting on that ski uh, in the next weeks. Um, but I think the thing that is so impressive to me about that Motive 86 is, 
you know, there are a lot of skis that are great dedicated front side carvers and it's kind of terrifying to take those things into, you know, steep terrain or into bad mogul lines or something. It's just the wrong tool. And so I think that motive, uh, and, and I wrote about this, but I think it is impressive because I have not come across too many skis. And again, this is the conversation starter. I'd, I'd love to hear other people weigh in about what skis they've been on that they think do this incredibly effectively. But I think to have a ski that carves very, very well on piste, that still feels at home in steep technical terrain, and then is actually fun in mogul lines, that's a trifecta that I think is extremely hard to pull off. Um, and so I, please, you know, on the, on the show notes for this episode, if, if any of you have skis that you've been on and love and you think they kill it in all three of those applications, let us know because um, that Motive 86 is going to go away. We'll see if the Big Mountain Pro um, by Fisher is in fact the replacement for it. Um, but we're looking for a, a new contender uh, or a new champion in this category. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so moving up to the maybe a little bit more versatile, maybe a little bit less frontside only oriented skis, we've got the Nordica Enforcer um, at our 98 millimeter underfoot width. And we've talked a little bit about the new Enforcer on this show. Um, why did the old one take this? Yeah, I mean, again, I think for me personally, it, it was obvious when we first got on that Enforcer, you know, last year, this was going to be a ski that held a ton of appeal, a very broad appeal. You know, me personally, I tend to prefer a bit more ski um, than the Enforcer, but, and then there's other people who prefer more ski than I do, um, but I could have a great time on that ski, and Will Brown had a great time on that ski, and Tom Collier at Blister had a great time on that ski, and I've recommended it to so many different people, our reviewers, and frankly, other ski designers in the industry, and everybody keeps coming back. Um, you know, And so I think it's one of those skis that even if it might not be, say, as much ski as I might prefer, you can still have a great time on it. It just feels so dialed. Um, and I've been super impressed in that I feel like I could go put very inexperienced skiers on this thing and they're going to make that ski work. Um, and I've already recommended it to a bunch of experts and they've come back and been like, yeah, this thing's really, really good. Um, you know, so again, it's, it's kind of the quintessential ski, um, I think for this kind of best bets, um, category. Um, yeah, broad, broad appeal, I think. Yeah. And it's interesting to note that um, we've got two potential contenders that we think could be dethroning this ski um, in the next seasons. And those are the Rosignol Sky, 7, Sky 97 and the Solomon QST 99, which is actually part of the QST line, which we'll be talking about more um, farther down in this. Yep. Yeah. I, I just, the, so the, the, the Rossi Sky 97 is replacing Rossi's Sin 7. Um, and, uh, this is the big question I have. I, I have no doubt that 
I, I don't really have a doubt, I should say, that the new Razis, the new Sky, the updated Soul, that these, these skis are going to be intuitive, I think. I think they're going to be quick. I think they're going to be easy to ski. What I am most interested to see is if those skis become a little more um, firm snow oriented, because I think if they do, that would push them a little more toward enforcer territory. So it's speculation at this point, right? But um, that's what I'm curious to see. And frankly, if the new Razis aren't now more firm snow oriented, that's not a knock. It just means that I don't know that it would, you know, for this particular category, I don't think that, um, you know, I think you got to have kind of some firm snow chops, um, you know, for that versatility angle. So, yeah, and it's interesting um, to note we're talking about these uh, Razi's Soul and the Sin 7 series. Those are coming back next year with tweaks as the um, HD yeah. tacked onto the back of the name. But as far as what we're talking about, blister best bets, skis that appeal to a broad range of skiers, I think if you were going to think of an iconic ski for that category, it would be the Razi Soul 7, right? It's those yellow tips. You've, you've seen them, you see them everywhere. And um, just look at the comments on our review of that ski. But in this 108 category that we're moving to next, that ski actually was um, replaced by something, by, by a new ski that we just started on. Well, the, the only thing I'll say there is I don't, I don't, I mean, I talked about the Soul 7 in this, uh, in this first installment, but that ski, there's no question, it's been wildly popular, the Soul 7, um, but there are a lot of skiers out there who definitely would not be into the Soul 7, right? And that's why... You know, so I think there is where I think you could call it like we're we're wanting a little bit of a stability bump over what a ski like the Soul 7 provides. So lighter weight skiers or very finesse oriented skiers, those are going to be the people that I I'm confident, you know, in most cases are going to go have a good time on a Soul 7. A thing, a, a thing like the Enforcer or in now our 108 class, the metal People who tend to like to drive a ski more, people who are coming from more of a traditional background or a race background, that's who I'm also trying to accommodate. And I, I don't, those I think are probably the people, if there are people who are like, I hate the Soul 7, it's maybe more those people. Um, and that's where in our last category, I think the enforcer can still satisfy those people to some extent. Um, as well as people who aren't trying to drive a ski as much. Um, so yeah, in the 108 category, this um, this J skis the metal, um, that same thing. I think that people who like a bit more ski, like to drive a ski a bit more, um, I think they can still get along with the metal. Um, there's a lot of people who are going to prefer more ski, but... I don't know anybody could come back and say I had a terrible time skiing this thing, you know? Yeah, and that's something to, important to note about the metal. Um, Jay, you know, from Jay Skis, that's their stiffest, most directional ski. It's called the metal. It sounds like a scary, stiff, damp charger, right? Um, but that's important to note that it's actually a much more accessible ski than 
than maybe the initial impression would be. And that's something we just found out in these last few days, actually. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I actually had a conversation uh, with Jed Yeiser, right? The designer for Line, he used to work with Jay. And, uh, and Jed was under the impression that the metal was going to be quite a bit like the old Line mothership, which was kind of a battleship. And that's absolutely not the case. Um, and so... Um, yeah, I, I think I was definitely a bit surprised, um, bit, a bit surprised in that, no, this is not your traditional big mountain charger, uh, surprised in that sense, not surprised because we've seen a lot of Leventhal skis. He's talked about this, you know, the kinds of characteristics that he prizes in his skis. And I think, you know, for Leventhal, one, a couple of the words that just pop to the front are fun and intuitive. And I think the metal is very much fun and intuitive. It just has maybe a little more backbone um, so that you can push that thing still pretty hard. Um, you know, and yet it is not the kind of traditional comp ski, you know, by no means. Um, which is why we were taking it into the park and being ridiculous uh, on that ski uh, this this past weekend. Yeah, I will definitely credit that ski with making Jonathan do some of the most ridiculous things I never expected him to do. <laughs> um, all with it, all with supreme style. Yeah, he after bangs hard. Mm -hmm. um, but we've also got some potential challengers in that category as well. We've got the Soul 7 HD, which we already touched on. But mm -hmm. we've also got this Solomon QST-106, which is a part of the new QST line, which is new for next year. Um, that line is, looks very interesting for several reasons. And there's a couple skis in there that we're going to be getting on as soon as possible. Yep. Yeah, we'll be getting on the QST-99, 106, and 118, um, at least those skis. And same thing. I mean, again, it's speculation for now, but looking at their flex profiles and their rocker profiles, those, all three of those skis, the Quest 99, 106, and 118, look like they could be playing for the, this kind of category, the like best bets. Um, a bit of stability. I think they're still going to be relatively easy skis to ski. And, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll 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 see when, once we get them on snow. But what? Yeah. So right now, all I can say is the metal is definitely one of those skis um, that it's fun yet it's got a bit of stability there. And I I feel like I could throw virtually any skier on it, and they're not going to be screwed. You know what I mean? Um, I think they'll have go have a pretty good time. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's interesting that while, while we don't, we haven't had time on any of these QSDs, they're contenders for three categories, yep. including our widest category, the 118 underfoot one, yep. which as we noted in the article is probably the one that's going to be the most in flux. Um, our current, yep. our current winner there, or our current best bet there is the Liberty origin, which mm -hmm. Jonathan touched on earlier. Um, and but so why why is that ski there right now and why might it not be soon yeah i mean it's been a fun ski and and i mean like spoiler alert you know the next category we're rolling out is going to be this um 
Ver we've, this one we're calling versatile and easy, you know, parentheses yet stable. The next one we're gonna kind of push the accelerator a little bit. Um, and so for people who do care more about a bigger top end, um, and in that regard, in this 118 class, I would put the Blister Pro or the Bibby Pro. No question, A being the Liberty Origin and the, the Blister Pro this past week, um, the, the 190 Bibby was more ski. And um, we'll see though. Um, so I, I don't know. You know, I, I think there's I think there's room here. It could turn out that the quest the Solomon Quest 118 is just much more of a POW ski. And and if that's true, it might be a great POW ski, but we are giving all mountain versatility um, kind of some weight here and some bias. And so um, to be clear about this category, I'm not just asking what's a really good POW ski. I want to know what's an easy ski to recommend that's 118 underfoot and again where someone's never going to really feel like they're totally screwed on the mountain regardless of the conditions um, so we're giving the the origin that uh first kind of pole position um i would say the blister pro is absolutely that ski but it's a little more demanding got a bigger top end maybe um and I'm very, very curious to see what these other skis are going to come in and where we're going to end up locating them. Yeah, and we'll also be looking at K2's Pinnacle 118 in that category as well. Um, and that's another ski that, it, from everything that we've heard about it and just from looking at it, it seems like it could be a very easy, very versatile ski at 118 underfoot with a huge sweet spot that'll mm -hmm. work for a lot of people in a lot of conditions. So we're excited to get on those skis as well. Yep. So yeah, it's fun. Again, I think the the intention here um, was just to kind of start to set some benchmarks or reference points. And um, I think it's a fun thing to think about um, in terms of these sweet spots. And I, I'm looking forward. I'm hoping um, some people listening to this have some other ideas about skis that might fit in well. Um, maybe skis we've overlooked or skis we've got to be sure to go test. Um, yeah, so I, I hope people have ideas about uh, skis that we may have overlooked or skis that we've definitely got to go spend time on. Um, but I think this is a fun way to sort of sort out um, yet another measuring stick, um, f another metric of what makes a good ski. Um, and it's not necessarily the best in category. And it's we're not just saying that these skis are the best skis out there for everyone. Um, that's the fun part, right? That it's also why we write such long reviews because um, there really are skis out there. If you take the time to sift through, um, you can arrive at them. And there are so many good skis being made today. Um, we think that it's possible to really link up with a ski that suits you better than virtually any other ski out there. And we can say that because we spend a lot of time on this stuff and we ourselves find that to be true. I never come back and am like, oh, I'm like just just equally as happy to be on this ski as I am as you know to be on five or six others. Um, maybe there are one or two skis in a given category that are quite close, but these differences are real. And um, I'm not sure that everyone always appreciates that. So anyway, hopefully this is an exercise, a fun exercise that um, helps people 
um, get a good sense of what all these skis out there, you know, where they are all located and, and then helps them figure out which ones might be the best bet for them. Yeah, definitely. Well, cool, man. On that note, we should um, maybe go ski it. Yep. We get some more time on ski. That's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. Thanks go to our slightly less strikingly handsome audio engineer, Justin Bob. He just shaved his head for the first time in his life. And to Alaska Airlines for sponsoring this episode. Be sure to go to alaskaair.com forward slash ski to check out all of their current deals. Till next time, head over to blisterreview.com to see what we're up to there. Subscribe to the Blister Podcast in iTunes, and we'll catch you next Thursday on the Blister Podcast. Man, I'm going to try to freestyle this, and that's not going to go well.